Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is September 21st, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. This week, we have a new guest. We have a new guest giving Connor Ryan a little bit of a rest before the season starts, before that gets going. Uh, obviously, you listen to us on Wednesdays with Coke Bear. Uh, but this week, I have on Logan Mullen of Nesson.com. He does a terrific job covering the Bruins. Um, really someone good. You should follow him on Twitter. He's awesome. But in this episode, we talked about the Prospects Challenge. He gave a lot of good insight into a lot of the younger guys on the team, Jack Sean, Fabian Lysel, Jesper Froden. Uh, so he was great. It was a lot of fun to have Logan on. Him and I uh, don't do podcasts together nearly enough. We don't, uh, we don't, and he's, he's great. So this was a fun episode, a little bit different, uh, but the same kind of stuff you can always expect. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Logan Mullen. <laughs> And we're here with Logan Mullen. Logan, what is up? What's up, Evan? Been a minute. We talk it's, like it, regularly now, but we haven't seen each other's faces in a little while. It's it's been a long time. By the way, this is your first time on Bruins Beat. It You're is. one of the only people in the Bruins world that has yet to be on this show. Yeah, um, and it's nice to be able to say this is your first time. Yeah, it is. It, this does kind of feel, is this sleeping with the enemy? Like, are we technically competitive? <laughs> no, I always, see, this is my thing with Bruins podcasts. It's podcasts. So you don't have to listen to them. It's not like we're on at the same time on the radio. Yeah. You know, we're, we're on fighting for scoops. Yeah. We're all just kind of shooting the shit and at different times and it's no big deal. So yeah. I always think like, if you can listen to Bruins beat on Tuesdays, you can listen to, to your podcast one day and another Bruins podcast the other day. It's a big deal, you know? So, yes. more, the, more the merrier type of thing. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, how have you been? What Good. have you been up to? What have I been up to? Uh, let's see. I moved. Um, and, the, you know, just stuff with moving. And that's that's pretty much it, you know? See, see Bruce B. listeners? He's riveting. He's just like you. He's yeah, like I you. know, right? <laughs> This guy's wild. I wasn't expecting to get asked what I've been doing, so I didn't come prepared with an answer. So, I, I, am, I haven't been doing anything interesting either. I have to get COVID tested in like an hour because I don't feel so great. But I don't think it's COVID, so that's that. I think it's just allergies. No big deal. We'll yeah. see when this drops I tomorrow. Did the same, I did the same thing a couple weeks ago. 
I don't like getting stuff shoved in my nose either. It wasn't fun. Well, there we go. Anyways, so Bruins things happened this past weekend. There was the Prospects Challenge uh, in Buffalo, New York. And the fun thing about the Prospects Challenge is prospects who are really good uh, look way better in that tournament because they're up against younger guys. Like Jesper Frodin had – how many goals? Four goals? A billion goals, yeah. Yeah. And he's 26. Right. He's 26. I would like to take credit for – I asked – what was this? Tuesday? Wednesday? One of the first days of rookie camp. I I believe I'm the first person that writes about the Bruins that uncorked a Jesper Froden question. Um, <laughs> and I asked Brian Mujanel about him and basically said, like, the guy's 26. Everybody else that's there is, you know – 18 to 23, 24. Like, how do you set expectations for him? And he was just going, he was falling all over himself about Frodo. Um, and uh, he did look great at the worlds and like he has very good scoring ability and, um, in Sweden. So did Par Lindholm, right? So that's kind of the thing where like you don't know what those guys are going to turn into in the NHL. Like how many guys in their mid twenties that come from a completely different league, uh, except maybe the KHL, uh, end up like translating to the same exact player. It's like going from the AHL basically. Yeah. I'm interested to see what he ends up becoming. Cause I think in Providence, he could be a really good top six option, but I wonder how much, uh, he gets at the NHL level. How many times does a guy go down on the fourth line? or third line in the NHL, and they're like, bring him up. Let's see what we got in this guy, because he's 26, and maybe there's something there. Yeah. I don't know. So he's a, he's an interesting one. Um, but I think a big guy that was talked about a lot, and Fluto wrote about him uh, this weekend, was was Jackashan. Jackashan was someone who re- looked really good. We expected to look really good. I don't think it's a surprise that he looked really good. Um, and, you know, he... he He's a small left shot, puck moving defenseman, power play quarterback kind of guy. Again, looked great. But, and Fluto writes this and, and he says, you know, injuries can happen even in training camp, but assuming the left side progresses to the season opener without putting up, uh, anything else, Grizzlick, Mike Riley, and Derek Forbert should be in the October 16 lineup. Uh, Ashan's mandate is to challenge Erho Vakanainen, uh, yeah. for Sweeney's first phone call when left shot assistance is required up top. And that's great, right? Like awesome. Right. But I think what, he gets to it later. Uh, if and when Ashan fights his way onto the varsity, Coach Bruce Cassidy will tackle the same dilemma that troubled him for three seasons, optimizing his matchups with two undersized left-shot defensemen, assuming Grizzlick is healthy. This was a sticky situation at times for Cassidy with Krug and Grizzlick, especially on the penalty kill. Cassidy would have to ride Chara for the first minute 30. Uh, for example, then roll out Charlie McAvoy on the left side to finish the kill. In this scenario, Forbert would have to play Chara's part. Let's say Mike Riley goes down. Mike Riley's not even a big penalty killer. But let's say Mike Riley goes down, and you are left with Forbert, Grizzlick, and Ashan on that left side. And you have to kill penalties. They happen. Guys trip and hook and slash. How do you do that with with that crew? Especially with Forbert. I mean, Forbert is no Chara. Like, Chara could do a minute 30 straight. Uh, We don't know that Derek Forbert can. No, we don't. I I mean, (laughs) I will say, Jack Ashan and Matt Grizzlick are not the same player. Like, I don't think people realize, I will say, Jack Ashan, his, his sweater always looks way too big for him, uh, which I think makes him look smaller than he actually is because he is built like a brick shit house. Like that, he is a 
stacked dude. Um, and he, like, I think people see him and think Tory Krug. And I am of the belief that in the final years that Tory Krug was with the Bruins, I don't know if it was a strength thing or what, but it seemed like he got a lot harder to move off the puck and he was a little bit better at net front battles. I actually think Jack Ashawn can play in a desperation situation in front of the net. Now, is he Zidane Chara? Is he, you know, take any number of the games like top to even mid-tier penalty killers? No. Um, and But I don't think the defense – like, I don't think they'll have to shelter him that much. I think a lot of people are sort of jaded from the Tory Krug experience and think like, well, Sean, you can only play him on the third pairing and just, you know, give him offensive zone starts. I think you can put him on in the neutral zone and in the defensive zone and let him kill penalties and whatnot. But I mean, he's, he is a legitimate two way defenseman and like Matt Grizzly kind of gets away with being a good defenseman because he's smart. Like he can use his IQ to sort of overcome any shortcomings in his game. I do believe that like Jack Ashan might be a legitimately good defensive defenseman. Uh, the offense will probably be what like keeps him as an NHL player. But while I think there's credence to what Fluto says, like that's having Jack Ashan as your second left shot penalty killer with Derek Forbert being your first is definitely not a, uh, an advantageous position, I guess, but I don't think it'll be quite as bad as people would think. Do you think that there's a scenario? Do you think a guy like Krug should have gotten more time on the penalty kill? Not necessarily when you contextualize it with everybody else that they had. Uh, yeah. like on this team, let's say he's always oh, on, on this team. team. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably right because you, your top penalty killer is going to be McAvoy and then Carlo and. I mean, you're probably putting Clifton on the penalty kill too, right? Like, is that, that's a way you could shelter it is because Clifton can play on his, on his offside. So then you do something to the effect of like Forbert McAvoy, Carlo Clifton, uh, which could be a ride at times, but that, that might be the position they find themselves in. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm interested in this in this storyline of can a guy like Ashan come in and kind of carve a role out for himself because he can play penalty kill minutes and a guy like Mike Riley can't. Now obviously Mike Riley's not there to kill penalties. So it's not like, you know, he beats out Mike Riley because he uh you know can kill penalties, but I just wonder if a guy like Ashan can produce and they're like, you know what, you can play penalty kill minutes too. I don't know. It's interesting. What I, do you think? I wonder if because I remember a couple of years ago. Cassidy, I, I don't know what prompted him to say this, but he had thought about, he said, you know, one situation I've thought of before is if we ever got in a pinch, we could put Joachim Nordstrom on defense. Like, <laughs> that, he, he said this like during the cup final too. It, and it was, if I remember correctly, it was a complete non sequitur. Like it, contextually, it made no sense. But, you know, is there a guy? right now that they would play in a fourth line or a bottom six role. Like is it Tomas Noshek kind of person, somebody that they would think, well, he can skate well, he can get back on pucks. If we trust his defensive game, which I guess he might not be a great example because he's not the best defensive player, but 
you know, do, do they get creative that way? Do they put a Trent Frederick back there? Like, <laughs> like that? I, I think that would, I was just thinking Frederick. I was thinking yeah. Frederick. That would probably have to be complete lost cause situation. Cause like, what does that say to a young defenseman where it's like, we're going to put a forward back there instead of you? Um, I can tell you from firsthand experience in high school when I was my first year of playing on the varsity, I was a junior or playing consistently. They would bring a forward back to take over for me on the penalty kill. And it was the most that, demoralizing thing. Yeah, that's I a tough place pissed. to do. I would be pissed because penalty kills have to stand there, block shots, get the puck out of the zone. And I, yeah, you're right. I mean, it would be demoralizing for a Jack Ashan or for a Matt Grizzlick that it's like, you know, we can't even trust you to be on the penalty kill. You know, I, I honestly though, like, I don't think those guys are as big of defensive liabilities as people are probably quick to assume they are. Like, I, I think you could put Grizzly on the penalty kill, um, you know, because he's another guy that gets a pretty good mixture of defensive zone starts where, and he knows how to play with McAvoy. So is it the best option? No, probably not, but you could. Um, and I think Jack Asham will, if he ends up becoming like an NHL regular, I think he ultimately will be a better defensive player than, Matt Grizzlick from a pure skill set standpoint. Now, like I had alluded to, like Matt Grizzlick might just be better at knowing his shortcomings and how to sort of hide them than somebody like a Sean would. But I don't think that it's that far out of the realm of possibility that they see at least what they have with them and it ends up working out fine enough. You see what my worry again is like you mentioned it's, it's good enough, but you're still trying to win a cup. Like right. ultimately, you're you're trying to win with this the the remnants of this core, and I just think that doesn't still do it. You still aren't there with that, and it's yeah. an easy thing to exploit if you're the opponent. And I there's just something to it. Again, he could fit in well, you know, at some point, but I still think you're still trying to win a cup, and I don't know if that's good enough when you're playing the Lightning. Or even the Islanders or those teams. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Well, That's something that might not come tell down the line. Another way you could look at it is their penalty kill the last few years has been among the league's best. So even with some regression, because the forwards that they'll trot out really won't be that different, right? Because it'll still be Bergeron and March on this one. And then you'll put Curtis Lazar with you know, Wagner, Frederick, somebody like that, another fourth line guy. Um, so you could say that unless the defense just completely plummets, you know, even with some understandable regression, there's still probably a top half penalty kill. Whether that's enough to see you through deep into the playoffs is a, I guess, a different conversation. But, you know, it, they have been good. At least they weren't like a bottom third penalty kill. And then they got worse from a defensive standpoint. So that, I guess that's one spin zone there. You could say the penalty kill is is back, not better than ever. But what is back and better than ever is is bet online. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. And as always, bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use that promo code NFL100. Again, NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, 
right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So you like that? That was a professional segue. That was a professional Connor and I have the betting segues down. That's easiest thing. You either say safe bet or, uh, or you play into what you have to say. Anyways, uh, another person, uh, another player who people were very excited to watch and see, uh, at this prospects challenge was Fabian Lysel, first round pick. Uh, and the world exploded when he scored that empty netter. First career goal, technically in a Bruins uniform is an empty netter. That's a, is that a good omen? Bad omen? Remember, wasn't it Chris Bork who intentionally like missed his, the net to no. not get his first goal be an empty netter? I think. So I forgot about score. that. I mean, I don't know. Are, are we counting the prospects challenge as the first? No, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. I, I would, what I would say from Fabian Lysel's game, I, it wasn't anything wild, but it was good enough this weekend, right? I mean, uh, it wasn't ridiculous, but he was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's why he's going to the WHL, right? He's, yeah. <laughs> he's 18. He's never played in North America before. Uh, so I think basically all you're looking for in a prospects challenges, how easily is he getting worked off the puck? How much does his skill set get impacted by the rank size? And, you know, what kind of defensive game does he play? Like if you're Fabian Lysel, your offensive game should probably be right around where, you know, it has been in a prospects challenge, right? Um, you know, he got put in a very good situation on a line with, I think it was Sammy Asselin and uh, Jacob, or Jakob Lauko. Yeah, Lauko. Uh, and uh, him and Lauko had very good chemistry. It looked like all week. Um, and I think that is probably a sight of things to come in like the next three years. But, you know, how much can you really glean from a guy playing from, you know, a bunch of kids his age? Ultimately, I think the fact that he didn't look out of place, you know, sure, he didn't set the world on fire, but his skating looked very good. Like the way he looks like he's just constantly buzzing um, is something else. And I think it'll be a learning curve of sorts for Bruins fans because pretty much since David Pasternak, and, and I guess you could say Charlie McAvoy, like the Bruins haven't historically exhausted high first-round picks or mid-first-round picks on very offensively-minded players. Like, they like guys who defense the hallmark of their game. So I think what people are going to have to get used to with Lysel is that he he is going to be a very much an attacking zone player. And as long as he's not a complete puddle defensively, that's pretty much what you can ask for, right? Uh, and, and he didn't look like that. So – no. I think that I think the junior year is going to be very good for him instead of going right to the AHL because I really don't think it can be overstated the impact of the smaller rank and having way less surface area to play with. Like for some guys who really like who are great skaters like Lysel, like you could see that at times over the weekend that he would use his speed to burn past guys, but other guys could catch up to him. Um, and so a lot of times when you can basically just take the longer route because you have all that extra space, you know, you can get yourself out of jams. You can't do that as much in North America. So I think playing with kids his age, getting the confidence up instead of being 18 years old and just getting, you know, bushwhacked by some 37 place for Hershey. 
Um, is probably <laughs> the best, you know. with, with 500 penalty minutes on the year. Yeah, um, right. yeah, it's you, November. What, what, he's got 107 penalty minutes. <laughs> yes. Him, that guy. Yeah, he, there's a guy. You know who he is? Like, it, just those people exist on every team. Yeah, they have a goatee. You know, they just they're, they're there. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of people were saying, kind of going into this. You know, with the Fabian Lysel experience this year, you know, maybe he'll be ready to for the AHL or maybe even the NHL this year. When do you see a guy like him being potentially ready? For the AHL or the NHL? Because I think those are two very different answers. Yes. We'll, we'll start with the AHL. I think the AHL may be the end of this year. Like, I can see a situation where he plays this year out in Vancouver and then joins for the postseason or in late April. Largely because I think that for him, you have to keep the age in mind. And he is a small kid. Like he's, and he's not built like a Jack Ashan type, right? So he's, he's not thick, like he's not stocky. So you can't teach that, right? And so he has to, which I know is stating the obvious, you can't teach size, but he needs time in the AHL. Like, I can't see him being the type of player that jumps right from juniors to the NHL. Um, generally, that doesn't work out that great either in many cases because um, then you end up healthy scratching the guy. Like, I, if I were the Bruins, I'd sooner rather see a path where he plays this year in juniors comes to the AHL, plays for as long as Providence plays, becomes a black ace if the if the varsity is still going, and then next year basically just stays in the minors until there's either injuries or you simply can't keep him there any longer because he's carving anyone up. But I think his birthday, I forget off the top of my head, it might be January. Like, he's still a few months away from 19. So I think people see all these 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, the NHL, I don't think Fabian Lysel they drafted with the mindset of like this could be a pretty quick contributor. Yeah, January, January nineteenth, two thousand three. Make you feel old, right? Yeah, um, nine years I, old. I again, I, my mindset with him is you want him playing as much as possible yeah. on the just just play in the North American rink, like just keep playing. And again, if he's up in Boston, I don't know. You don't want him playing third or fourth line minutes. Right. You want him exactly playing like a lot of minutes in a game. You don't want him just kind of like taking up space on the third line just because he's Fabian Lysel. Well, and you want him playing a role he'll actually play too, right? So like in yes. Vancouver, he'll play a top six role, but what good is it doing him if he's in the NHL right now playing a, a fourth line role that he's not suited to play? Like, Not that they would ever do that, but it does no good for anybody. Yes, because we know that during the season there's going to be times when the scoring might dry up on at the varsity level, and you right. know people on Twitter are going to say, "Just bring in Fabian Lysel. You have Fabian Lysel. Just bring him right in. It's, it's easy. You'll just bring him right up from Vancouver, a direct flight. He'll get right into the top six, and boom, your scoring woes are gone. You can trade Pasternak. Right. Um, but uh, so that is that from the prospects challenge. But we still have some time left, so we might as well discuss some preseason stuff. Um, do you have any big preseason predictions? Do you have any like hot takes? For this season that you're kind of like sitting on that you're like last year, I stupidly, I don't know if you knew this. I said Jake DeBrusque was going to lead the Bruins in goals. I did hear about that. Yes, I, I had that. And I'll explain why, because I don't know if you know this or, or I, I don't think you heard me explain it. Um, 
but I basically thought that with I think I think last year Postrock was out to begin the year, and then uh, Martian was supposed to be out. Right. And then I figured so then Jake DeBrusque. I figured Jake DeBrusque was on a bridge deal that he had just signed, yeah. and he'd be playing more with Krejci. And I was like, you know, he's he's fired up after last year with 1920, which was technically a down year at the time. And I said, all makings of a big year for DeBrusque. And boy, was I wrong. Do you have any like weird predictions like that where you're like, hmm, maybe I could see a guy like Trent Frederick breaking into the top nine or something weird like that? The weirdest one I can think of um, would be bounce back year for John Moore. Um, and, and so the reason being, yeah, this one generally people don't like when I say that I, I am actually a closeted and not really a closeted John Moore fan, but here's my thing, the way I rationalize this. Now, I don't know how you quantify a bounce back year for John Moore, right? But he has the shoulder injury. His first year, he's playing. <laughs> His first year, he was not that bad. Um, like if you go back and look at the numbers, it, he was not exactly an analytics darling. But uh, I think people will be surprised with how effective he was in 2018-19. So then he plays through a shoulder injury in the postseason. The Bruins, right or wrong, decided that in a do or die game seven, they were better with a one arm John Moore than they were with Connor Clifton. So he gets the yeah. surgery. He has no training camp. He comes back. Last year wasn't great. Or what was it? 2019-20 wasn't great for him. And then this past season, what you have to remember is John Moore's greatest asset is, is his skating ability. He is a fantastic skater. Like any shortcomings he has from a pure skill standpoint or a, a shutdown defensive standpoint, he generally works around because he is a very good skater. What is probably the worst injury to have when your calling card is skating? A degenerate hip, which is more or less what he had. So you could tell last year when he looked exceptionally bad. Like he, for what people say John Moore always is, he actually was during the four games, three games he played last year. And it was clear because he was playing on an awful hip. I think with the hip good to go, He'll, he'll be a seventh defenseman to be sure, but when the opportunity comes for him to start to play again, I think we will find that John Moore will at least be a useful bottom four defenseman. Uh, is that what you pay almost $3 million for? They're doing it again with Derek Forbert, right? But I think that if you take the the contract aside, which I know is a challenging thing for people to separate, like John Moore, right or wrong, his contract is always conflated with whatever misgivings of his he presents. But I think that John Moore ultimately will become a useful player this year. That's not a terrible like hot take. I that's a very me- I like that's I know measured and thought out than most people think. I was gonna say when you first said bounce for John Moore, I was like, what? But you actually made a some valid points there. I will give you that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I could pr- maybe see that happening. Honestly, when talking about a Sean, I forgot about John Moore. And yeah, that's the thing. I feel of, like a lot of people have forgotten John Moore is there. I yeah. mean, because he's, it's like everyone's Stephen written him off. He's, he's your new Stephen Camphor. Uh, yes. Which, that's, again, you know, I think any problems with Stephen Camphor's game usually were 
know, forgiven by the fact that he was playing on one-year vet minimum deals and John Moore isn't. Um, that's not John Moore's fault. So I think he starts as the seventh defenseman, and when injuries inevitably show up, he can play on both sides. He's way more – he's visibly more comfortable on his natural left, but he can play on the right. Um, I don't know. I think there might be something there. Yeah. That's not a, that's, I, I like that one. I enjoy, I, I like that take. That came out of nowhere too. Yeah. Um, that, that is something people should have to pay for. Um, I'm, I, <laughs> yeah, well, after I my, to... after my take, yeah, like the, the paying for the podcast. I'm paying, people don't know this. I'm paying yeah. you a lot to come on. I, I prepped a lot with that take. So I'm, I'm expecting at least 50 to 100. I'm so angry that it's taken me until minute 25 to make that point. Cause I remember like thinking about this earlier. I was like, I'm going to, lead in with that and i completely forgot about that tweet because he made his tweets protected that guy dan clark made made his tweets protected for people who don't know there was a guy on twitter who had like forty two thousand followers but he also followed like 20 something thousand so those people like it doesn't really count um i hate to be a dick but like it's true (laughs) and he tweet stat pad yes sad padford out there he tweeted basically that someone asked him to come on a podcast and told him to F off when he said he charges to go on podcasts. And everyone obviously dunked on the dude because little hint into the inside baseball of like the podcasting world. You don't, no one pays to go on any, sh- you don't yeah. pay anybody to come on your show. Like it's not how that works. Um, but he did and he got killed for it on Twitter as he should have and he made his tweets protected. So, yeah. you know, can't take the heat. It scared the bejesus out of me at first because I wasn't, I thought I was like, I've never heard of anybody that does this, but is this something I'm supposed to have been doing this entire time? And like, we don't have millions of guests on, uh, on my podcast, but like, we have enough to where it's like, am I supposed to be paying these people? This is the thing. And then I saw everybody just lambasting him and I was like, okay. I'm, I'm glad to see that the group thing uh, seems to agree that this is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, there were some people who replied saying like, you know, oh, that makes sense. And I'm like, what? What On what planet does that make sense? But anyways, apparently I owe Connor Ryan a lot of money. I owe Connor. <laughs> I was about to say, Connor's going to come and break your kneecaps. <laughs> Connor, Connor could sue me for a lot. Um, but anyways, uh, before we head out, uh, Logan, uh, is there anything that you would like to plug? Let the listeners in on when your podcast drops, where to find yeah. them, all those things. Yeah, Nesson Bruins podcast. Um, and then just go to Nesson.com, training camps this week. So all sorts of training camp content every day starting tomorrow, where the Nesson Bruins podcast is back tomorrow. Uh, so be on the lookout for that, Nesson.com. Uh, you know, if anyone says that all we do is aggregate, that means they don't read the site. So uh, that's that's about it, yeah. It's true. You you do produce a ton of original Bruins stuff, and it's very, very good. So I give you my full endorsement. You listeners should go do that. Follow Logan on Twitter. Uh, and that is Bruins Beat for this week. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. <laughs>